a lot of the multi-brand boutiques that we have as a partner in Italy, they are not as sophisticated. So we need to make sure that we help them grow in and uh, you know, we are very, very selective on the process of acquisition of the boutique in terms of reputation. Welcome to the Glam and Grow podcast. I'm your host, Takara Suet, head of partnerships at Wavebreak. On this show, we talk with leaders of beauty, fashion, and lifestyle brands. We dive into their stories, lessons learned, and perspectives on how the industry is ever evolving. Subscribe and join us each week as we glam and grow. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call. Today on the show, we have Diego Abba, the CEO of Italist, a global online platform that offers expertly curated luxury goods imported from Italy, which is based in Los Angeles. So welcome to the show, Diego. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. So for the people listening today who are not familiar with Italist, tell me a little bit more about Italist and how you founded the company. Italist is a... Uh, uh, luxury e-commerce site. Uh, we focus on in-season, authentic luxury fashion and accessories. And we do offer about 40% lower than the local market price. Uh, we do this one because uh, we have succeeded in bringing the curatorial excellence of the buyer from the best luxury multi-brand stores in Italy. So our goods is coming from Italy. But you can buy those from the home or on the mobile phone with the best price in the world. So there is no waiting or applying for VAT refund, no more complication, customer declaration and payments. And uh, we believe that this uh, innovative model and uh, would be very successful because uh, it offer excellent deals to savvy consumers. So we all, all the team is very passionate about fashion, design and quality. And uh, we offer more than a thousand of international luxury brand as you were shopping in the streets of Italy. Uh, we came up with this idea while we were serving the queues of tourists outside some of the main luxury boutiques of Italy. And this was not during the sales season. This was like normal, normal season, so full price. And uh, the reason was the combination of products that are very hard to find outside Italy and also the lower price of full retail versus other countries. So that's what we call Italian retail price. Uh, basically, in the luxury world, each geography has a different price for the same product. So you'll find the same bag that will cost more in US than in Europe, Italy in particularly, and it will cost even more in Asia for exactly the same, uh, the same product. So basically what we tried to do was getting the best uh, buyers and the Italian stores are considered the best buyer in the world because they serve uh, a global um, mix of uh, population given the high tourism that Italy has and also for the traditional fashion. And uh, they can offer a lower price because of a geo pricing. So we decide to 
offer that possibility for tech. We basically combine the ability of uh, buying online as if you were in Italy with the tech uh, expertise we have. We are passionate about fashion, as we say. So we basically bridge two worlds, fashion and, and tech, that usually they don't talk too much to each other. And we, in doing that, we are creating an innovative value proposition for the consumers in terms of product selection, price, and convenience of ordering. And uh, we can see that this is very well accepted because uh, we see a lot of uh, customers coming back regularly to buy on Italist.com over and over. Yeah, I'm actually a customer myself. And I will say the first time I saw Italist, I didn't think it was real because the pricing is phenomenal. So uh, yes, I, uh, I want one of everything. So it's kind of a problem. But um, so talk to me about how, how you've helped grow the business since you started and what have been some intri- intricate parts in doing so. We started in, at the end of 2014 and we worked very hard uh, since the inception to make sure that we can deliver what we promise. So to make sure that our innovative business model can work and we have a seamless experience for the customers and uh, making sure that the boutique will be fully integrated in our system. The whole uh, delivery uh, experience will be great. The, the customer support would be, uh, would be also working uh, in a way that the customer will be happy about what we are offering. In this one, what we really did was uh, engaging in a, in a two-way conversation with our customer through our storytelling that I believe is very important to incorporate reaction ideas and feedback, particularly because our model is new in the sense that we do offer better price, but uh, you have also to remember that the, the goods is coming from Italy, so it has to go through duty. So for the return, for example, it has to go back to duty again in Italy. So it's, uh, that's the reason we don't offer free returns. Uh, and we want to be very transparent on this one, and that's the way we like to engage in this two-way conversation because is uh, is uh, I believe in honesty in what we say, and it's important that uh, the idea of our of our model is coming across well because then people can say, hey, you know, I understand the model. I want to save. I understand that uh, uh, it'll be more complicated to return, so it's not free. And so I can take advantage or I decide not to take advantage. Definitely. So what are some struggles that you've conquered with the business? The main difficulties we had I've seen on, on the communication was what, what you said was why the price is lower, you know? So, uh, and that's, again, I go back to honesty and communication and, and uh, the storytelling that is a two-way conversation because people, uh, most of the consumer, they are not aware that they're different price in different regions. Uh, in fashion and they are fairly different. So once you see the bag that is the same that, that you see in a store and say, okay, why is this guy offering a lower price? First reaction, well, maybe it's a whole season because as you know, the whole season commands a lower price. So that's totally different, uh, different uh, products. Uh, but for a new season bag, having a different price is always seen a little bit uh, well, why that happened? Is it defective? Is, uh, you know, it's, it's fake. So that was the initial struggle to basically explain the model and explain that uh, this is just because uh, it's coming from a market that is uh, as a lower price. So we engineering 
all the savings for the consumer uh, in a way that we don't have additional costs that we could not eliminate. Of course, we still have costs because it's a process that took to, you know, to bring the bag from point A to point B, so from you know, Europe to, to here or, or any other country. We sell in more than 100 countries around the world. And then, of course, was uh, the tech gap that was between the boutiques and ourselves. So, you know, we basically were born in Silicon Valley. I spent a lot of time on the digital world, even though I was also on the board of a luxury company in, in Italy uh, a long time ago. So I kind of bridge the two words. A lot of the multi-brand boutique that we have as a partner in Italy, they are not as sophisticated. So we need to make sure that we help them growing. And, uh, you know, we are very, very selective on the process of acquisition of the boutique in terms of reputation and selection of the, of the brands that they carry. So let's talk about COVID and 2020 and how that impacted Italis, particularly with shipping and any brands you can mention specifically. That, of course, has been a horrible year for, you know, from a personal token for you know, all the people who's been sick and died. So it's, it's, it's been very, very, very tough for everybody. Uh, the luxury sector in particular uh, suffered between 30 to 45 percent uh, decrease. So it's now one of the industry who get really uh, helped like, like others. For us, it wasn't that impactful in the sense that we operate in three locations. So we are based in Los Angeles. We have two support offices in Europe for, you know, the Italian one is in Amsterdam, one is in Milan. So we tend to work most of the time online. So operationally, as a company, we didn't really suffer that much. We proactive to closing the office earlier than was, it was mandated by the government and to make sure that we can support the, the team through, through the period. Stores were actually functional. We did have a little disruption on the shipping by DHL, but also DHL was, uh, was functional. So uh, I don't think the consumers really experience uh, any pain uh, from uh, our experience versus a year before. Obviously, you know, it's a, it's a different timing. The season are a little bit off in the sense that the brands were a little bit late in delivering the new season. So the fall, winter came a bit later. Uh, same thing is going to happen for, for the spring, summer. So it's a little bit shifted a little bit the time, but we didn't really, really suffer. Like, you know, you've seen uh, our retailer online did well, but it was mainly, the one who did extremely well were mainly on consumer goods. So luxury is a little bit, is a little bit different. So talk to me about the shifting future of e-commerce versus retail and specifically e-commerce marketplaces. I think the, the COVID made a quick jump to what the retail of the future should be. I used to speak on that 20 years ago, and you know, I always said that without an effective omnichannel strategy, the traditional retailer would fail and close. And you know, in the past few years, you've seen a lot of closure on retail-only chain. Uh, physical physical retail only chain. The the confusion was for a lot of these uh, companies that they thought, uh, oh, okay, I can do omni-channel strategy putting a site online. And, th- and that's not really omni, omni-channel strategy. That because you have to, when, when you try to come up with uh, what is a real omni-channel strategy, you have to th- rethink completely the entire value proposition. So it's not really adding an e-commerce space. So 
you need to rethink how you go to the consumer. You need to rethink at uh, your storytelling. You need to rethink your supply chain. You need to rethink your logistics. And also, when you go omni-channel, you have a huge amount of data that is more difficult to collect when you're only physical. And you need to utilize uh, you know, this big data and you have to have the analytics to better understand the customer. So when you do all this one, and I honestly don't see any kind of winning model so far that is you know, uh, omni-channel, uh, then I think you, you will see a clear evolution. I think uh, the COVID really expressed in, in, a clear, in a clear way the needs for this one, because if you were only physical, basically, you will fail this year. Uh, because of a closure of the stores. Um, I don't, you know, again, we are, we are one of the new model. We are, you know, purely digital. We're going to evolve. I also think that uh, the evolution might come more from like uh, a digital company that would evolve to have like omni-channel presence, so also physical versus vice versa. I think it will be easier for a digital company to evolve. So I'm not sure it's going to be us. It's going to be somebody else. Uh, you know, there are uh, different models, but we're going to see that in the future. Yeah, I think you guys are in a really, really great position. Uh, so for some listeners who aren't too familiar with Italist, talk to me about some of the top brands that you sell and maybe some of the trends that you're currently seeing. Basically, what we do, we offer more than a thousand brands. Just to be kind of clear, this is, of course, not all Italian brands. This is like a global brand. So we have French brands, uh, Spanish brands, Italian brands, American brands, Japanese brands, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a global offering that has been selected by more than 200 boutiques, but a luxury boutique. So think a little bit like a smaller version of Nima Marcus or Saks. And uh, they are faster to select the brand. So you would have product discovery for our site. So that's, that's what's also interesting because you will see new trends of brands that will be adopted prior to this store versus uh, the traditional retailer in the States because usually a traditional retailer in the States has to commit to free season. So before they commit to free season, they want to see that the brand is established. For these retailers, because of the relationship they have with, with the brand, usually they, they can commit smaller quantities. So you would have a, a much faster product discovery. We see that one, for example, that is very popular in the, in the state with Golden Goose. So when, you know, in 2015, I think we had about 150 models of, you know, whatever models of Golden Goose in our site. Uh, at that time, Barney is at like maybe five. Uh, and of course, we were like 35% cheaper. But it, it's now it was cheaper. It was you will find shoes that... Uh, were not available yet. Golden Goose is Italian brand uh, of sneakers, luxury sneakers. Uh, we do well with, you know, the usual suspects. So Balenciaga is doing well. Dolce Gabbana, Saint Laurent, Prada, Gucci, Valentino, Givenchy. Uh, Bottega Veneta is doing extremely well with a, with a new designer. Uh, Max Mara has been a, a, a very positive relaunch. So Max Mara was a very interesting brand. Uh, around 2000, so it was a, a kind of a cross brand for puts. So you know, when you put in a quadrant, the the type of consumer you have, you know, from classical to innovative, etc. Max Mara was basically 
touching everybody. So everybody would have a Max Maracot and he went down, now he's, he's going up. Montclair, of course, is doing very well. White uh, is uh, is uh, uh, resisting, so is is very interesting. And uh, you know Brunello Cucinelli, we have John Lobb. So we have also the classic uh, uh, Italian or French uh, couture. But I think that the other part that is very interesting on this fashion luxury brands it goes by geography. So uh, Middle East for us is also a very important market. I have you know the the, the retailer that they like. Korea have some other retailers that they like. US have these retailers. So. Besides the, the main houses that you're very familiar, you can find in the stores, you can find smaller, smaller retailers that not all the time are uh, present in, in local markets. An example, for example, is Ogan. Ogan is a, is a brand that is owned by Todd's. Uh, they decide to, both, they were both present in the U.S. Uh, 15 years ago. Then they decide to, remove organ from the states because it was too difficult to concentrate into brands so they just concentrate in thoughts uh but there is a lot of followers for organ shoes and of course we offer them so again you know there's a this mix of discovery and price yeah oh my god i could listen to you talk about brands all day <laughs> um question from a global perspective did you see mm-hmm. certain patterns during covid of consumer spending were certain markets drastically more affected than others I saw certain ways that were different versus the past. So, for example, in the States, we had a, a very big impact in March when the news of COVID came up and the market collapsed. Then it was like, you know, when the market went back up, I mean, the stock market, sorry, when the stock market collapsed. Then mm-hmm. when the stock market went back up, we actually uh, see a surge. Then we have a strange summer. Uh, so it's a little bit, I saw more like uh, big changes. I saw more like waves of spending that was a bit off pattern. So of course, you know, people spend uh, around Black Friday and, you know, before the holidays uh, gifting, but it was, uh, it was a little bit off path. Asia recuperated well, maybe faster than Middle East was, uh, was uh, doing well. So it's, it's a little bit more waving versus like to say, oh, you know, this country did uh, much worse than previous year. It was, it was uh, you see, month over month uh, versus the classical pattern of seasonality that we've seen in the, in the previous years. Yes, and, and I'm glad that we're here now in 2021. So let's talk about marketing. How did your marketing pivot during 2020 and what do you, what do you plan to do for this year? Yeah, so we didn't really change much in, in 2020. So, you know, of course, it's been a, a, a horrible human crisis. So we make sure that our storytelling was respectful of the tragedy that was, uh, you know, happening outside uh, uh, outside us. Uh, we didn't really get touched much uh, uh, we were thankful for that. We didn't really change so much the strategy, the storytelling. Of course, we are, uh, we are digital, so, you know, we, we keep in focusing on our digital channel. Uh, we are, you know, always trying to find a new way and, you know, to expand. So our idea is we test it and then we roll out. We test it, we roll out. So we continue that way. We're going to have a, a big uh, push more this year because we, at the moment, the site is only in English. So, uh, you know, we have a specific market like Middle East and Asia 
where uh, only English side has a more problem versus other countries. So once we localize the site, then we're going to focus also in some market with uh, with uh, uh, digital advertising. But we didn't do much. You know, we we just invest more in our in our traditional channel and the storytelling, except for the part to be sensitive to what was happening. Didn't really change much. That's good to know. Well, Diego, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate your time and I look forward to my next purchase on Italist.com. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to leave a review and subscribe to all future episodes. For show notes and resources mentioned, go to glamandgrow.co. This show was produced by Wavebreak. If you're an e-commerce marketing leader who wants to take your email and CRM program to the next level, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call.